Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tulsa League, your favorite locally based podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and this is the show where I go around and talk to different business leaders, community leaders, anyone that's out there trying to make a difference or just doing their own thing here in this part of Oklahoma. If you happen to be joining us for the first time, I highly advise that after this, you go back and listen to some of the older episodes. I've got some really great interviews with some people who are just doing some awesome things, and I would not want you to miss out on that. But uh, this time around, I had the immense pleasure of speaking with Annette King, who is the founder of the Wild Heart Ranch Animal Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. She, what she does, it is such a labor of love, if I've ever heard of one. She puts so much uh, time and work into caring for these animals. It is just so clear how much passion she has for what she does, which is exactly the kind of spirit I'm trying to capture here on this show. I also um, got to pet a possum and rub a lemur's belly. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> but uh, I had a lot of fun, and I know you're going to have a lot of fun listening to it. She had some great stories. Um, but, yeah, without further ado, enjoy. Alrighty, I am out here at the Wild Heart Animal Rescue Ranch. Is that Would that be the... Wild Heart Ranch Wildlife Rescue. Okay, all right. Uh, with the founder, and why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Annette King. I am the founder and director of Wild Heart Ranch Wildlife Rescue. We established in 1996 in Rogers County, Oklahoma. Okay, cool. So uh, let's talk a little bit, before we get into what you guys do, let's talk about what you did leading up to this. What, what's your background? <laughs> it has nothing to do with um, animals or wildlife, I can tell you that. Uh, I was an insurance agent for Farmers Group. Really? Yeah, and I bought a little farm in the country just to have a little extra piece of real estate. It was a good investment, and I had all this land. I started taking in animals that needed homes, and a friend of mine brought me a pair of baby raccoons, and I knew I couldn't keep those, so I went looking for a rescue that could take them, and there wasn't one, and when I got a hold of the game warden, they said I needed to either take them back out where they were found or shoot them. And I said, what's option C? Because I'm not doing either of those. And they said, well, you have to get a license if you want to do wildlife rehabilitation. And I went, okay, hmm. how do I do that? And uh, yeah, that was 60,000 animals ago. And I'm oh, still wow. going strong. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious what, because, you know, all, all these businesses that I talk to, they all have different licensing requirements. So what what is... How, how tough is that process to become a wildlife? Well, the first license wasn't hard. It was just uh, through the state. We have a license through the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation that allows us to intake wild animals and release those. And that's everything except your birds of prey and protected birds. Um, for that license, we had to go to the United States um, Federal Wildlife Service and get that license. And that allowed us to do migratory birds and birds of prey. Oh. And then we had to get a license through the state of Oklahoma when we filed our nonprofit 12 years later. Because the first 12 years, I worked three jobs like a mad woman and did this out of my own pocket. Wow. And, yeah. And every year I had to borrow, you know, I had this paid for farm. And uh, every year I had to come up with $20,000 for baby formula. So I borrowed money until the real estate market crashed. And then I couldn't borrow any more money. $20,000 worth of it. Every was, year. That's what we wow. spend every year. Yeah, that's <laughs> average. Sometimes more, sometimes less. But um, that would keep us covered. And uh, when I couldn't get any baby formula money, I thought I would shut down. And uh, But I had met this really nice lady a few years before. 
Um, she had just moved here from Nashville with her husband at the time was Garth Brooks. And she had started volunteering and I called her up and I said, uh, I've got to shut down. I can't buy baby formula. Do you want my equipment? And she said, don't shut down. Get your nonprofit and you can quit all these crazy jobs and I'll pay a paycheck so you can focus on this full time. And Miss Sandy Brooks has now done Whoa. this for uh, 11 years. Wow. So she pays uh, me a modest salary. I'm not getting rich off of this, but I'm not <laughs> doing it for the money. And uh, she also pays all the utilities every month, so wow. which is great because uh, all the donations that come in go to the animals. Okay. We don't have to pay administration. So she kind of takes care of the overhead and then everything else you get. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's so unique. And I'm so blessed because it's, it, you know, excellent security for the operation um, and keeps us going. And now, of course, since... Uh, she first signed on we have almost tripled our animal intake so we have uh, pretty much become dependent on Facebook for that additional income so that we could expand and grow and now we're in the process of purchasing uh, more land and we're we're putting together a hundred acres of property to be a designated wildlife sanctuary and <clears throat> this property originally was uh, four pieces of 20 acres that was a hundred acres owned by a family the owners passed away, left it to their children. And we've managed to buy two 20-acre tracts. Um, and now a third one and a fourth one are up for sale. And the fifth one I've been leasing, and I will be purchasing that next year. So you really only have one chance to buy the land that borders you and get it untouched. You <laughs> yeah, know? Sure. And this is all the pieces of this 100 acres. And once we get it all bought, and right now we're in the process of uh, we've got one piece that's going to close next month. Um, and we have a sponsor that's paying for that. Okay. And then we've got a second piece that we've uh, negotiated a price with the owner and we're raising the money for that. So if there's anybody listening that wants to invest in wildlife sanctuary in Rogers County, uh, we're going to buy the hundred acres and just protect it. We're not going to build on it. We're not going to fence it off. Uh, we're not going to let people camp out on it. It is going to belong to the animals and it's going to be untouched. Just a place for the wildlife to live and it will be put in a trust so that the land can never be sold or developed. Okay, so whenever you say you're not, so what do you mean the animals would just live on it? Do you would there be some sort of fenced-in area that you just kind of? No, um, we do release some of our animals here. Okay, we release uh, the squirrels, the birds, the deer. Um, uh, no predators. We don't. Oh no, the birds are fine. They create atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, yeah <laughs> your your anyway. listeners might pick out some uh, words and sounds. Maybe cats meowing, dogs <laughs> barking. We've got people burping and sneezing, and those are parrots. There's three African greys sitting next to us. So when I talk, they tend to mock me and do all kinds of silliness. <laughs> so yeah, a little added atmosphere to the show today. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. There, oh no, but, you're fine. We definitely yeah. want to explain the the peanut gallery yeah, that's over true. here. We probably should have done the yeah. beginning. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, you were talking about the, like the different animals that you let go oh, yeah. and what you do whenever. Yeah. And this property is teeming with wildlife. Anyway, the property's not been touched or lived on in over a hundred years. So in the course of that time, the wildlife have naturally moved onto this property. It's a safe place to live and all species live on it. We have bobcat, we've got, you know, deer, coyote, fox, and these animals weren't here because of me. Um, and we also have cougar and bear, by the way. Really? They, they come in and out. But they do know this is a safe place. And there's tons of um, natural berry bushes and stuff. And we have a black bear that has been seen moving over here. It'll move over here when the berries are 
on the bushes and and feed and we just let everybody know just you know don't walk around in the woods at night but uh you know it's pretty cool and if we preserve this land and we protect this land these animals always have their home and uh it's it's more about what's already here you know as as you know messed up people we've already learned our lessons that it's better to protect than to try to rebuild uh natural habitat so if we can just preserve protect and and keep it the way it is it will always be success as soon as we mess with it then it's gone because there was some it's funny you said where did i was looking around here and i saw something that it said like you know we're all equally like messed up what, what was that we slogan? all suffer the same we all suffer the same that's yeah. what it is yeah yeah okay. that is my mantra you know because is it's not about um I would need to save all of the, you know, raccoons because there's not enough raccoons. It has nothing to do with speciesism. It is about, we all suffer the same. This baby feels cold and hunger and fear and misses its mommy the same as you and me would if mm. we were lost children. Mm. It's no different for them. I have spent 23 years, 24-7 with wild animals. There is zero difference between what they go through and what we go through in challenging circumstances and you know all we're trying to do is make up for the bad you know and of course you hear all the time let nature take its course i have been hearing that this entire time out of the 3,000 animals that come to me every year maybe a dozen of those have anything to do with nature it's always people it's always it's our fences our cars our guns our dogs our toxins our poisons our traps our barbed wire fencing it, it is our children being where they shouldn't be it's you know people cutting down trees and you know we have to do all that stuff it's called exist you know we got to go out and we got to do our stuff so that we can exist and there are times when we get in their way and there are times when they get in our way but all of the reasons that these animals come here it has to do with man's encroachment or them just running out of room you know they've got to be able to spread out and you hear about urban foxes all the time we have fox families in tulsa you know downtown oh, Tulsa. coyotes and everything. coyotes, oh, yeah. everything else you know and these animals are thriving because number one we're such slobs you know we put food out in the trash we you know we leave things for them and it makes life as as an urban animal uh, scavenger very easy and these animals are opportunistic plus you know when we take away all their wild places and we develop their habitat they have to learn to adjust to our lifestyle and that's mm. what they've done um and the urban wildlife are you know they're more dependent on on us than we realize and we think they're unsafe but they're figuring it out they're thriving in communities and uh, a lot of what we try to do is just to tell people you know the urban foxes are doing great they're keeping your rodent population down your snake population down you know they're going to be hunting the pigeons that everybody complains about you know they are picking through the in most people are worried about their cats and dogs right it can happen i'm not going to say it doesn't happen but it rarely happens but yes if you have a cat comparatively to how many howls i hear outside mm -hmm. of my door from mm -hmm. coyotes and stuff and i live right by tu campus too right i'm not yeah, yeah. so yeah. Com comparatively yeah no i you don't really hear too much about right that. yeah and you know we have chickens and you know all our dogs and stuff and we have coyotes right in our backyard um but it, if you have cats and they live outside number one cats are going to harm and hunt wildlife 
you know. Yeah. I advocate if you have a cat, keep the cat indoors because they're not an indigenous species. And if they're being well fed and they're still hunting wildlife, it's just thrill killing. Or they're trying to provide for their people. We get calls all the time. The cats are bringing in partially killed baby bunnies and birds all year long. And what we do is we tell people, you know, they're feeding you. And they're giving you the honor of the kill. They're bringing you the half-killed thing so that you can finish it off. And that's why I would say cats are little psychopaths, and that's how they—that's <laughs> how—that's how they see showing love because they're little right. psychopaths. Yes, and that is not anything to offend the cat. No, that's just there. how they are. That's it's how they a- are. <laughs> and uh, you know, cats keep me very, very busy during baby season. I will say that because one out of every five baby rabbits is from a cat, and we raise five hundred baby rabbits every year. But, you know, it's it's if everybody would keep their cat indoors during spring when the baby bunnies and baby birds are in the nest, uh, I would have a lot less stress. So, you know, but uh, but the cats, they don't need to be outside when there's coyotes and foxes and birds of prey hanging around. I mean, they they can get picked up. And Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with small dogs. If you have a chihuahua and you got, you know. Got a call the other day. We had a call. Lady's got a chihuahua. She's got a pair of red-tailed hawks nesting in the tree above her backyard, Ooh. you know, and, you know, she was concerned. And I said, well, absolutely. And she said, well, what can I do about these hawks? Is there somebody that will come and get them? I said, ma'am, it's a felony to mess with those hawks. Huh. You cannot disturb the nest. You cannot. The only thing she could do is get one of those big plastic owls. I think I have one somewhere. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, one of those big owls and put it because hawks won't hang around where there's a great horned owl. You can put Hmm. a big plastic great horned owl on your, you know, porch, move it around every couple of days so it looks like it's coming and going, and those hawks will move on, but they're not going to abandon their nest. So, you know, if you see a situation like that and you want them gone, just get a big plastic owl and put it out there and just move it around. If What I have noticed, if people do that and they leave it in the same place, the animals figure out it's not real. So you got to move it around because <laughs> okay. people say, I got one of those owls, like you told me, and it worked for about two weeks and it quit working. And I finally figured out you got to move it around because if they fly in and out and they see it in a new location, it's, it's going to work. They're smarter than we think they, they are. They all are smarter than we think. <laughs> all of them. Who is uh who would you say is your biggest troublemaker here? My biggest troublemaker. Oh my gosh. Uh, probably the lemur Keebler. You have a he, lemur. Wait, real quick. Give yeah. me a little background Why story on how you can, I have got a, a lemur. Yes. I, <laughs> I don't pe- think those, I think that might be an invasive species. So yeah. Oklahoma, right? <laughs> yeah. I get people, I mean, bless their hearts. I get people all the time. I didn't know lemurs were in Oklahoma. No, they are not. They are only found in one place in the world and that's Madagascar. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've all seen move it, move it. We know who Zabumafu is. Oh yeah. But no. Keebler's pretty special. He is an <laughs> older guy. He was a, a circus lemur. And he was not very well treated because he's missing some teeth. He's missing a tail, part of his tail. Uh, His teeth were removed so he couldn't bite people, but he's figured out how to get around that. And uh, he went to a sanctuary where uh, he lived for a while, but he doesn't like lemurs and he doesn't like children. (laughs) So he was isolated. He he is. Yeah, he's got his preferences. And I think that could be from maybe at some point in the circus he would, you know, experience some stress. Sure. So they contacted me. A good friend of mine runs it. And she contacted me and she said, Keebler really needs a place where he's not around lemurs, not around kids, and gets lots of attention. Well, being that we're a wildlife rescue, we don't cuddle the animals. We, you know, only handle as necessary. And then we leave them alone so they can get wild and avoid people. So I have all these volunteers who love animals and they can't play with anything. So every now and then, we call them squishies. Every now and then, we take in a squishy, 
and my volunteers can get attached to an animal, shower them with attention, and we don't have to let them go. You okay. Know? And and that helps retention because we yeah. have to have volunteers to do this work. It's a lot of work. Right. And if we don't have a squishy around, you know, then you all you get is the hardcore people that, you know, don't, you know, go all mushy for animals. And we want our mushy people, you know. That's why we're here. We're here so we can, you know, do whatever it takes to take care of them and be sensitive to their needs and their emotions and, and cater to that too. Because I tell everybody, being a wild animal that's rescued is no different than being abducted by aliens for you and me. You're in your bed, you're all cozy, you know, you're all happy in your spot, and all of a sudden a bright light comes along, and you're picked up, and you're put in a strange vehicle, and you're whisked away, and they take you out, they put you on a table, and they shine bright lights at you, and poke you, and prod you, and stick needles in you, <laughs> and then they put you in a holding cell with bars, you know, and you don't know what's going to happen. That's what they experience. Right. You, can you imagine the horror? You know, and and we have to keep these animals from believing, you know, their instincts tell them we're going to eat them. That's what their instincts tell them. I'm caught. I'm going to be eaten, you mm. know, and mm. we have to convince them otherwise, because okay. if they unless they believe otherwise, they're terrified. If they're terrified, they're not growing. They're not sleeping. They're not eating. So, yeah, it's it's a fine line between getting an animal calm and feeling safe and taming something. And we okay. have to be real careful that we don't make something dependent and preferring the company of humans because then we're wasting our time. If we release an animal that goes and looks for people, you know, when, when an animal goes ah. to find people, hmm. it finds dogs, it finds guns, it finds cars, fencing, you know, children. So it's like if they get, so it's like a balance between making yes. sure they're not terrified, but also making sure they don't associate humans with safety. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. That's exactly it. And we have to, and we've, we've nailed it. We've got our systems, and you'll notice, you know, when you go around my clinic, there's all these animals that you can see, you know, and those are our residents. All the ones you can't see are the wild. We don't let them, you know, sit there and watch us all day long. They only see us when we're in and out of their cages to feed them and clean them or in and out of their tubs, and we do that very quickly, briefly. We use the same method every day. Their food and water dishes are washed every day, and the same dishes put back in their cage, so there's nothing new and different that might make them hesitate to eat and drink. I mean, there's a complete list of method behind everything that we do, and uh, it's all very important. It's Everything we do here has a reason behind it. Okay. And, yeah, and I love teaching it because it's it's taken me 23 years to, to figure all this out because there's no manual that says, you know, this is, this is how to think like a rehabber. I had to develop that trial and error and now everything that comes out of here wants to kill us when we release it which is awesome <laughs> that's what we're going for it's doing what it's supposed to do yeah right. yeah it's the saying you know if, if you love something set it free if it comes back to you it's not ready and you need to hold it a little longer and quit petting it i mean <laughs> okay all right is that a saying in the uh, wildlife rescue community from, okay from i don't mine. think i've personally yeah, heard that that's, one that's, <laughs> that's my beat yeah <laughs> okay uh-huh so are there any stories that stick out as your biggest turnaround stories? Like an oh, animal gosh. that comes in and you're just like, I don't even know if I don't even know what to do here. And well, then it turns out, you know, I had I had an experience many years ago. Uh, let's see. It would be I had her for 14 years, lost her in 2012. So 1998, I got a call to go and uh, pick up a mountain lion cub that was illegally kept in a cage at a home with uh, two little kids. 
Um, what? They, they, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Trust me. There's just some crazy redneck by himself trying Ooh. to have a pet mountain lion. That's one yeah. thing. You got kids? Well, and they, they paid 50 bucks for her. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Black market in Arkansas paid 50 bucks for a mountain lion cub and brought it home for her kids South. to play with. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and she had been brutally declawed. Her feet were a mess. But anyway, I get this oh, mountain gosh. lion cub. This cat wanted to kill me. And she wasn't a tiny thing. She was about six months old. She was decent size. She's about the size of a medium-sized dog. And I brought her home, and she wanted to kill me. And I was green. I'd only been at this two years. I didn't tell anybody no at this point, you know. So I jumped in it, and I decided I need to save this cougar. And uh, her disposition was very aggressive and violent. Hmm. And she was trying to kill me. Even though she didn't have claws, she had teeth. Uh, but they'd cut her canine teeth off so she couldn't bot- bite, and they were rotten, and her feet were infected from a bad declaw, and oh. they were swollen. And so I laid in the floor with her. I wasn't sure what to do, but I knew I had to get this cub to trust me in order to help her. So I laid in the floor with her. I put on a, a grinding mask over my face, put leather welding gloves on, put a blanket on my chest, and then I just bear-hugged her, laid in the floor and bear-hugged her. First day, we laid there. And I'd put her in her crate and then drag her back out later, you know, take a little breaks and spent the night on the floor with her. Took my, finally got her relaxed enough. I pulled my welding gloves off. Real quick. What is the strategy with the bear hugging? What is just that? Just holding her so she couldn't get away from me. Okay. Yeah. Right, so she just kind of gets used to she, she, you she, being someone that's not going to hurt her. She needed to submit. Okay. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Because gotcha. she was gotcha. aggressive. Sure. So I got where she couldn't hurt me, got her in a hold that she couldn't hurt me. And I just, you know, made her deal with it until... Okay. She realized that I wasn't going to hurt her. And uh, it was the second day I'd fallen asleep with her. I'd taken my welding gloves off because she quit trying to bite my hands. Took my gloves off and I woke up and she was sucking my thumb. All right. (laughs) And I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I had to change things and it was going to have to be extreme because this was a mountain lion. I couldn't like, you know, here, kitty, kitty. And when I was a kid, I would tame feral cats. And the way I would do that was I would hold them until they quit trying to kill me. And then they were my friend. So I tried the same tactic on this cat. I was the Pied Piper of the (laughs) neighborhood feral cats when I was a kid. Cat's a cat, right? A cat's a cat. I mean, I had nothing else to draw from. But it worked because after I woke up with her sucking my thumb, that cat would not let me out of her sight. Uh. So I spent the next seven, eight months with a cougar in tow. She slept in bed with me. She hated everybody but me. Uh, If she didn't get to sleep in my bed, she sat in her crate screaming. So nobody got to sleep. She hated my husband. It cost me a husband because he gave me the me or the cat ultimatum. And I said, pack your things, you know, (laughs) that's what you do when you commit to caring for an animal. Sure. sure. And uh, no, this cat, uh, I was a technician for a veterinarian at the time. And this mountain lion went to work with me every day. I drove a convertible back then. And she would ride in it to work with me with the top down. Oh, she I was so it. hoping you were just about to say that. Yeah. That I would, she wouldn't leave my side. I mean, this cat would not leave my side. So oh I just threw gosh. her. She was on a leash and a harness. I just threw her leash over the e-brake and she would throw her paws over the windshield. Now, remember, this was a long time ago and I was stupid. Okay. Because I have matured a lot. But no, I was 29 years old and fearless. But she would ride in the convertible with her paws over the windshield. We'd head down 66 to go to work. We always started stopped at Hardee's to get a breakfast burrito. And she would, and there's probably 
people out there that remember this that worked at Hardee's and would have a heart attack because when they'd open the drive-thru window, she would climb over me and stick her head in her front paws in the drive-thru window <laughs> to see where the smells were coming from. Yeah. And the first several times, it was met with screaming, but after that, everybody would look little forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, little pants wetting. Yeah, yeah, pants wetting, some curse words, you know, people running out of the restaurant. But pretty soon, everybody got used to it, and it got to where people would actually go there and watch for the cougar popping her head in the drive-thru oh, window. that's great. Yeah, but that was our routine. And Did we that would... ever get you pulled over? No. Really? Yeah. There was no cops no. that were curious Nobody why Nobody bothered a... me. I look oh. back and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> because I was a Girl Scout leader back then. Sure. And I had to go give Girl Scout meetings at the school. And I would take my mount line with me into the cafeteria, let her go. Because she got to, it was a big inside building and she loved it. And uh, I'd let her go, and she'd run around inside the cafeteria, and I'd be in there with 14 little girls with this mountain line, and nobody ever said anything. <laughs> ever. And today, I look back, and I'm like, wow, I, I got away with murder. But when I was at the vet clinic, our vet clinic is... It was the 90s, though, right? Yeah. and that, Maybe you things know, were a little more loose in the 90s. It was almost <laughs> as cool as the 80s, okay? But I would never get away with it. But, of course, I wouldn't try. I wouldn't try to do any of this stuff today. But um, we... Uh, Hey, Phil. This is Phil. He's one of our volunteers. We're podcasting. Hey, Phil. Phil. Figuring, out, figuring out what you guys do here. Yeah. We're talking all about Wild Heart. Nobody, nobody but me knows what I do. <laughs> nobody but <laughs> Phil knows. knows <laughs> Phil keeps all my paperwork up and all my stuff up. He's awesome. Phil is our wow. most senior volunteer. He is 79 going on 25. Oh, 25. <laughs> All right. Okay. He and he he volunteers five days a week. He's a full time volunteer. Wow. Yeah. And he also started our recycling program. Now all of our plastic and cardboard is recycled. Oh, from here. Cool. Yeah. So he saves nice, me so. money on dumpsters. I don't have near tin cans if you wash your mouth first. Yeah. Well, we don't <laughs> use tin cans. We use plastic mostly. We don't need any more recycling bins. <laughs> he's making that face okay change the subject <laughs> but anyway back to the cougar uh i worked for dr cash at his paws and claws in claremore then mm -hmm. and i would take her to work with me every day and she, i house broke her she wasn't house broke when i got her but i house broke her so in the afternoon several times a day i'd have to put my cougar on the leash and take her for a walk outside and this is at the main intersection in claremore across from walmart so, yes, many near accidents occurred because... Rubbernecking. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're driving along down 66, yeah. and all of a sudden there's a mountain lion taking a poop on the side of the road with some <laughs> crazy lady. So, yeah, no, it was it was, it was was awful. But, uh, yeah, I, I learned to go around to the back of the building. But, yeah, Kiara was with me for until she was, you know, too big to handle. That's her picture up there, that pretty beautiful thing. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's her. She is pretty. Yeah, she was. We lost her in 2012 after I'd had her 14 years. So, but wow. and that was really hard. But yeah, she she was with me the whole time, and we lost her due to complications from her declaw. It just crippled oh, her. Yeah, just got worse and worse. But part of her Gosh. legacy was also uh, we did a documentary with the Paw Project out of California, who took her story and uh, took it to um, a government convention showed her story and actually got laws passed to ban the declaw of big cats in the united states and that was part of her legacy and i always said you know if that's the only thing her suffering accomplished if you asked her i'd say i, I guarantee she would say it was worth it 
and because mm-hmm. uh, she did she she was in pain every day of her life not too excruciating i wouldn't have let her suffer but she ran to me every day you know she didn't just walk or limp to me she ran to me oh. every day of her life even at the end so oh. she loved me and that never changed but yeah i miss her every day and she has a star there's a star in the constellation in the uh, Lynx constellation that has her name on it. Oh, that's I know. Great. Isn't that cool? She will My live crew. on. She, yeah, she's eternal. She's inter- eternal. In more ways than one. That sounds like yeah. there are a few things that, yeah. But she taught me a lot. I always say I learn most of what I know from the animals, and she taught me a lot. And um, one thing I never do, I never dominate anything, I never train anything. Nothing here is taught anything for our convenience or our safety okay um you know i tell my crew the way we train our crew if you get hurt it's your fault you know because the nature of these animals is to hurt you is to try to get away is to you know defend themselves and if you put yourself in harm's way we provide all the safety things that you might need to protect yourself and if you get hurt it's because you know you didn't follow the rules i like that that makes sense yeah yeah so you know, it's, it's, uh, we try to do their nature and even these birds, these birds are mouthy. Hi, Devin. They have been. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone will, uh, everyone already knows that listening though. <laughs> right? <laughs> They've been really good. I'm kind of surprised. You haven't, you, you haven't got anything you have to bleep yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, get man. happy birds that, you know, no nice words. I get the birds nobody wants. So. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I've watched, too many videos on youtube of swearing birds it's yeah it's, it's too it's too fu- it's, it's you know, for how old i am it shouldn't be that funny right but, right you know <laughs> yeah no these these aren't bad these that one over there will drop the f-bomb every now and then but the, <laughs> the other ones are pretty good ruger here he's uh he's grew up next to a fire station oh, so really? every now and then he pops off with fire engines and police scanners oh, yeah yeah Devin was owned by a lady with COPD, so there's a lot of hacking, coughing, huh. and, you know, all kinds of bodily noises. And Teddy lived with a man that was homeless um, that had a drug problem. So Teddy deals drugs from time to time. He hits people up for drugs. Yes. Really? Yes. Not so much. Yeah. I've had him a long time. In the early days, it was a lot. Yeah. Like, wait a second. Like, what, what, did, what would he say? He would say, hey, got any smoke? Got oh anything? My gosh. Can I get some smoke? You got a quarter bag? Yeah. That is yeah. the funniest thing. Oh, yeah. And he had, and you never enabled him, right? You no, did not, no. You did not feed the, his the drug habit. The right? instruction I was given, the instruction I was, the man that gave him to me told me I had to blow pot smoke in his face every day. And I'm like, what about me makes you think that I, that's going to happen? <laughs> So we bring oh, yes. him home. I'll, I'll write that yeah. down. Oh, you yeah. Say, yeah. Me, can I what get, time of can day Can I get is your dealer's to? number so I can keep this bird high? So we bring Teddy home, and he sits in his cage, and he's just quiet for days. He doesn't mm-hmm. say anything. He, you know, any kind of acclimating. Yeah. He, well, he was coming down. Really? You know? oh, oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was like wanting Doritos and a hacky sack, and then he was <laughs> cool. But then like three or four days later, he started talking. And he started, you know, if you're going to get a talking bird, you need to keep it until you die. Because when those, when you pass those birds around, they, people find out all your dark (laughs) secrets. These birds have ratted their owners out big time. And Teddy really did. I mean, yeah, we learned about bill collectors, illegal act. And some poor guy named Howard, Teddy would be sitting there and he'd go, I'm very concerned about Howard. 
And we'd <laughs> the heck, you know, and he'd be like, yeah, poor Howard. So we don't know what happened to Howard, but Howard was in bad shape. Hopefully he got it together. I'm, I'm hoping Howard's okay. But yeah, Teddy was really worried about Howard for a while. But yeah, they're great. They're awesome birds. These are African grays. Um, and the reason I have them is because they're just easy. Uh, we have been a halfway house for, oh, probably close to 100 exotic birds. You know, we take them from bad situations and we find them good homes. The reason I have the African grays is they're just so easy. They're not screamers. They're not destructive. They don't fly around. Uh, we can let them out of their cages and they just hang out and talk to us. And they're, they're a hoot. They're an absolute blast. And, um, yeah, this one, I had her when we used to have horses. And I would be outside feeding my horses and I'd call my horses. Horse, horse. Well, the bird couldn't hear the S. So every now and then the bird starts yelling, whore, whore, in my voice, you know, oh, and I got to tell the story. So if that happens, that's what it is. She's saying horse and every that's now and really then she funny. barks. Yeah, you were. T yeah, we're talking about you, Devin. Yeah, she knows it, too. She's pretty cool. So tell me a little bit about uh, you had mentioned something about cabins that people will stay yeah. in and stuff. The volunteers. There's new tax laws. Well, what it was about is generating income. Sure. I mean, you know, begging for money, it, it'll get you so far. But with the new tax laws that happened this year is the first year. Uh, our middle income donors no longer can really use their donations as a tax write off because of the increase. Uh, standard deduction great news for our middle-income donors but you know bad news for nonprofits so we knew early on last year that we needed to come up with a way to generate income and so we did that by building uh, our first cabin and it's a bed and babies volunteer experience people can rent the cabin and then volunteer here and stay on the property which is magical uh, oh, this is a, I, I had meant to say it. This is a beautiful Thank piece of you. land. Thank yeah, you. I draw, it's it's kind of like you're driving by kind of open fields and farms and you take a turn down here and all of a sudden it's like, where, where did this come from? Yeah. This is just it's, like, it's it looks, great. it looks like, like a sanctuary. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's because we've carved out a little spot in the middle of a hundred acres of wild mm -hmm. and you, you stay in these cabins and in the morning you wake up and have your coffee and go sit down on your deck before the crew comes and you have herds of deer that just walk right through you know we have feeders out for them mm. <clears throat> and these deer will walk right through and and it's it's just magical there's rabbits everywhere and skunks come up and birds flying in and out and uh so we built that first cabin and last year it stayed booked up and we were able to basically it paid for itself the first year so uh this year uh, performance truck outfitters of tulsa funded our second build and we just finished it and these are nice cabins i like to say you know the rustic luxury. It's more than you'd expect to find in a little cabin on a wildlife rescue. The cabins are extremely cozy and very convenient cool. and handy and nice. And uh, our, our little one that accommodates one to two people and only two people if they really like each other because the bathroom is semi-private or not <laughs> private. The, you know, it's just, it's there's some privacy. Uh, but that one's 150 a night. And then our new one, the Eagle Cabin, uh, has a private bathroom and it's a queen bed sleeps two people a third can go on the floor and that one rents for 250 a night okay and we have it booked people are coming from california new jersey we already had wow. somebody here from utah um yeah so people come from all over the country uh we have both cabins booked for a week for people from virginia that have been here before before we had the cabins. Repeat customers. Yeah. Oh, we've already booked like five people that were here last year because okay. they want to get in on the schedule and make it an annual thing. Cool. And that's awesome. 
to know that it was that much fun. So know? what kind of work do they do when they're here? <clears throat> Give me a second. No, oh, you're fine. kicking in. <laughs> it's always a springtime. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, when they're here, what, what they do is the neat thing about the cabin, what had been going on for years is people would come from out of town. They'd rent a hotel room in Claremore. And when we're busy, there's 500 babies in here. The work doesn't stop. It starts at seven in the morning and we're still working 10, 11 o'clock at night. Wow. And the people would come in and, you know, they would do a grueling seven, eight hour shift. They're ready to go to the motel and lay down. And then they miss all the evening stuff. And then we don't see them till the next day and they come in and there's all this cool stuff that came in at night, which is when people get off work and start getting animals to us. And they would be so disappointed. And so they were missing out on that whole experience. So I thought, you know, if I build the cabins, they can stay here and they can go to the cabin and lay down, take a shower, fix lunch, you know, and it's been awesome because it's such a grueling routine because you walk in the door and you've got all these cages that are dirty, all these babies that are hungry, mm -hmm. and every cage is cleaned, every dish is washed, every piece of bedding is washed and changed, and every baby is fed. Our feeding schedules can be every 30 minutes to every three to four hours. Like fawns eat the least frequent and they eat every five hours. So, okay. you okay. know, and that's all hand feeding. And so we get here in the morning and it's get the dishes pulled and washed, get the bedding changed, the cages scrubbed out, get the babies fed. So we have different people doing different jobs. Our most experienced volunteers are our baby feeders. They're down in the nursery and they're locked down there. They're not allowed to leave except they get a bathroom pass. They have to stay down. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's bad. If you get, hi, Mel. If you end up with nursery duty, you're kind of like incarcerated in the nursery for the day. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, you know it's, it's serious. You got to pay attention to what's going on. It's serious. It is. Yeah, it is. It is definitely you're locked down in the nursery and you've got babies that have to eat every few minutes and you don't stop. Every few minutes? What else to eat every few minutes? Well, the you go from one to the next. Okay. You know, because you may have you may have 50 baby baby bunnies. Okay. Baby rabbits eat twice a day. So but you've got to get those knocked out. And then birds eat every hour. And we may have a hundred baby birds that eat every hour. Hmm. So it never stops. So, I mean, you've got, once you finish, then you just you basically time start to start over, over. again. Okay. And sometimes okay. you need two or three people just to keep that schedule. And yeah, and it's, it's insane. And so our volunteer visitors, you know, they're not trained to feed babies. So they don't always get to feed like the little mammals and stuff, but deer are easy. You can't mess those up. Birds are easy. Um, and then of course they can help with raccoons. Raccoons have to be burped and pottied. Okay. Really? Which most mammals with their eyes closed have to be pottied. So a lot of times, you know, the syringe feeding and the bottle feeding can be very delicate. You got to know what you're doing. You have to be watched if you're new and somebody that's coming from out of town for a day, you know, and when we're that slammed, um, we try to make sure everybody gets to help feed, but some of the animals won't be safe. So the ones that are safe, those are the ones they get to help with, which is plenty. Trust me. Nobody goes away from here feeling like they didn't get to do anything. <laughs> it doesn't happen. There's not much sitting around. No, no, not at all. How does one burp a raccoon? Like you do a human baby. Okay. So yeah. you're telling me that a mom raccoon burps her baby? No, like that. Okay. no, because okay. the way mama raccoon feeds is it prevents the babies from sucking air. Oh, and because we can't, okay. you know, because mama's milk doesn't come out as fast. She's very fat. So it seals around the baby's mouth. Oh, but with okay, the baby okay. bottles, their mouths tend to pop open and suck air. So they tend to okay. get bloated. Um, the better the feeder, 
the less they suck air because there are ways to prevent it. But some people that don't know the drill, they might get a baby to bloat. And it can be very dangerous. So if you have babies that gulp a lot of air, we got to burp them. And okay. you throw a burp rag over your shoulder and they do spit up, just like human babies. <laughs> and they projectile spit up, just like human babies. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Everybody's favorite baby to raise is the raccoons. They are precious, absolutely precious. And we get a lot of them. We'll do between 60 and 150. Wow. It just depends on the year. You know, it kind of goes through phases. We have a heavy raccoon year and then a couple of years will be normal and then another heavy one. So I think this year we may have a pretty heavy raccoon year. Okay. Okay. And skunks, skunks, baby skunks. There's nothing cuter. <laughs> Everybody hesitates when I say that. Skunks are awesome. No, they are. Well, when, really cute. when, and they whistle. When do they get to the point where they can spray? Spray. Yeah. As soon as their eyes open, that's when things can get kind of dicey. But with skunks and anything else, same routine every day. Don't okay. change anything. Um, the only time really skunks tend to spray, which my volunteers don't tell them I said this about them, but some of them are weird and love the smell of skunk spray. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We have got our skunk spray team. They're probably listening, laughing, but they do. And when a skunk <laughs> sprays, everybody goes and tries to get it on them so they can take it home with them. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I can't say I've heard of that. I've been shot in the face, <laughs> direct hit by a release size skunk in the mouth, Ooh. in the eyes, up the nose. And I, there's no describing it. it. It is a very painful, miserable experience. And, you know, so when I do smell skunk spray, I don't mind it so much, but I know what it's like to taste it and breathe it for days. A little, little minor PTSD there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe more than a little minor. But yeah, it is rough. I mean, I had a swimming pool back then and I almost drowned myself into it, in it trying to keep my eyes from burning. But oh, yikes. yeah, it's it's rough. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like getting pepper sprayed or something? Yes. Wow. It, very much like being pepper sprayed. Huh. Yeah, and at the time I had contact lenses in. Uh, I, I quit yeah. wearing contacts. No more contacts. Because yeah. of that and one other incident, I realized those were just bad news for me. But, uh, yeah, no, glasses are good. But, uh, yeah, skunks are, skunks are awesome. And we, we have, okay, like last year, I bet we raised probably 60 or more baby skunks. We had how many spring incidents last year? Two or three? Two or three. Two or three. Okay. Yeah, and one of them was my daughter. We had a double-decker <laughs> skunk cage. And the ones in the top deck were standing on a floor. It's like a rabbit cage. And these rabbit cages normally have a layer of wire. Well, I don't allow anything to stand on wire. That is just a thing for me. We rip out all the wire. So these skunks mm. were standing directly on this slideable tray. And my daughter pulled the tray out to clean uh. it. And all the top level skunks <laughs> fell on all the bottom level skunks. And nobody knew each other. Okay. So it was an okay. immediate, you know, what, 20 skunks all fired at the same time. It was awful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. But overall, it's pretty. So basically, what you're saying is that it's going to be human error if they yeah. end up spraying. Uh, it's then, always that means, our fault. That means you did something. Okay. It's all right. Always our fault. Okay. Yeah, skunks are very, very predictable, and they're also very easy to keep happy. You know, yeah. and they are rabies vectors, so we are really careful about who handles them and so forth. Uh, our volunteers that handle the skunks and feed them have all had their rabies vaccines. Okay. It's policy. Okay. So I don't want anybody to go out there and find a baby skunk and keep it because, you know, that's that's a rabies vector in our state. But uh, as long, when you change your cage, you change it the same way you changed it every day before that. But when we introduce a new skunk to a group, 
that's when we usually have an incident. Uh, we try okay. to do a howdy cage where we have cages side by side and everybody kind of gets to know each other and still protect their own boundaries and so on and so forth. But at some time you have to introduce, you have to just put them in there and run. And that's usually when it happens. So uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before I have you plug stuff? Uh, well, we always need volunteers. So if anybody wants to come and get down and dirty with the wildlife, uh, you don't have to rent a cabin. No, absolutely not. Just to make that clear. No, we will exploit you with or without your money. No problem. <laughs> but volunteers need to be 18 or older. Okay. And uh, they can just, thank you, Susan. Hi. My crew's leaving. I'm all alone. Um, volunteers need to be 18 or older. And you can show up. You have to show up at 9 a.m. Okay. We will have an afternoon shift later in the season, but we love everybody to start uh, with the morning shift because that's when the majority of our crew is here. And the sooner they start, the sooner they will get the routine down. So when we get slammed, they will be more comfortable with the routine because the routine's the same every day. It just changes between 100 animals to 300 animals to 500 animals, you know, very quickly. By June will probably be our highlight this year. So if you're going to start volunteering in June, you're probably going to only wash dishes because that we don't have to teach, you know? <laughs> so enough. if you show up in June and you're like, I want to volunteer, it's going to be, you know how to do dishes, go do dishes. Cause we'll do hundreds of dishes every day. And okay. so if you don't want to get stuck being a dishwasher, you know, just try to cut, start coming as soon as you can. Once a week is perfect to get to know the routine and kind of not get too lost. But we have volunteers that have been here for years that come two and three times a week. We have serial volunteers. All right. I have volunteers that have been here with me over 20 years. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we have a low turnover. Um, we're real strict about people drama. Okay. I believe very firmly that the animals, they're wild animals. They pick up on signals that we would never pick up on. Mm. And uh, when there's any tension or stress in the people, the babies don't eat as well. Everybody's a little on edge. When everybody's happy and working as a team and doing their thing and supporting each other, the animals thrive. So we're, we're very protective about the environment. So anybody that's scared of people problems, this is the place for you because so am I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like to keep it drama free. Oh, and we're going to have an open house mid-April. Our Facebook page is Wild Heart Ranch on Facebook. Um, if there's any other Wild Heart Ranches, it's the one with the big green heart, says WHR. We would love everybody to go and like our page and follow our work because we post every day. And we've also uh, developed the uh, monetizing feature on Facebook, the members membership. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, so you can go to our page and you can click on become a supporter. It's nineteen ninety nine a month and it's worth every penny because we post behind the scenes live videos, recorded videos, pictures. Uh, there's things that, you know, we have 88,000 followers on our Facebook page. So there's some things that if I post, I will never hear the end of it. Not that it's unprofessional or dangerous or anything, but I, I got lectured a couple of weeks ago. A lady just ripped me over the coals because I called meat, meat. She said it was disrespectful to animals that I need to, instead of saying meat, say dead animals. Because, uh. yeah. Oh, it's getting out of control. <laughs> I'm 50 years old. I am not going to start changing my language. But anyway, so there's just, yeah. We have, you know, Helen, our blind hawk, when we give her a rodent, we buy our rodents frozen. They come from a company, and that's what they do. They raise rodents to be sold as food. 
And she, we give her a rodent and she is so vocal and she dances around and she gets crazy when she eats. It's awesome to watch. So our supporters, our paid people, they get those videos all the time. Oh, okay. Okay. If I was to post it on the page with 86, 88,000 people, I would hear, uh, oh my God. You know, okay. My hawks are not vegetarians. I'm sorry. They like little furry things. You ever heard of those people that try to make their cats vegan or something? Uh, why? Just, just get a rabbit. Get a rabbit. Yeah. Get a rabbit. <laughs> it looks like a cat. You know? I know. Yeah. You cannot make carnivores vegan. And if you try to, it's just not right. That's cruel. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Be, no. There, there's some. There's some weirdos out there. There. There's yes. Some... <laughs> and they all I'm have sure my phone number. With eighty-eight thousand. They all do have my phone number. With eighty-eight thousand followers, that's that's more than enough. Uh, yeah. More than enough to get a few weirdos in. Right. There. <laughs> yes. I mean, the delete and ban feature on Facebook is amazing, and we use it on a regular basis. But at the same time, you know, I try to give everybody an explanation. You know, if somebody has a question or they get offended, I will spend time trying to enlighten and educate. But some people just want to argue, and then they get the delete and ban button. So to protect myself from having to deal with it. This membership feature is awesome, and it funds the rescue. And right okay. now we have we only we just started it. We already have eighty seven members. Wow, that is cool. a seventeen hundred dollar revenue. Yeah. It's reliable. You know, I had to start finding ways to earn money, a reliable income, because I'm really scared about our donations sure. struggling. Because sure. I'm taking animals I don't yet have funds for. You know, so okay. I had to have something a little bit predictable and the cabins are one way and then the memberships on Facebook. That's huge. And our goal, I mean, if we we have 88,000 followers, if we sold a thousand memberships, that would triple our income, which would enable us to expand our efforts substantially and even add paid employees, which would give us stability. And I might get a day off every now and then. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, as it stands right now, we're dependent on volunteer labor. But I would love to have employees because, you know, I, I, I am getting older and I would like to, you know, maybe take a vacation once in a while, have some accountability. But right now it's not possible. But the memberships might actually provide that one day. Semi-retirement would be amazing. So, yeah. My husband misses me. <laughs> and he volunteers here. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're super busy. But, yeah, we got a lot going on on our Facebook page. We'd love everybody to come join the Facebook page. we got some cool tie-dye shirts for sale right now that say because i give a hoot i support wildlife and uh yeah and it's just super cool thing to do is to support wildlife rehabilitation and not just here but anywhere uh you know this has been this has been so fun uh what you're doing here is awesome thank you this, this i think so awesome. too. yeah no uh, walking around here and just just in this one room that we're in we've got yeah. raccoons and the lemur and possums and everything oh yeah. it's and this is our slow time. This is, this is, we're just now starting to get into our baby season. So if you were to come back here in May, uh, you would just be floored, you know, because we take all species. You never know if we're going to have a bear cub, uh, bobcat cubs, you know, beaver. Oh my gosh, the beaver. Have you ever been to the Jinx Aquarium? Yes. The beaver there are mine. The raccoons there are mine. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, those, those were my babies. And, uh, yeah, no, we, we, the beaver kits are, we have a whole beaver enclosure back there. It's got a pond and yeah, it's just too much fun. Everybody loves raising the beaver with me, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, always magical, you know? So, and 
since we're on podcast, you have to use your imagination or go to our Facebook page and look at pictures. <laughs> Definitely go to the Facebook page. Do you have a website as well? I do. Or any other social media you want to? I Well, we just, our social media is Facebook and we just dedicate all our time to it. But the website is wildheartrescue.org. And you can also use the number four, the wild.org. Number four, the wild.org. Okay. But yeah, and they can find out whatever they need to know. And of course, I'm always available for any questions or concerns about wildlife. And our number is 918-342-WILD. All right. Well, thank you very much Why, for sure. your time. Why, sure. Absolutely. Was, was Thanks so for fun. coming. Now, this has been great. Uh, and one last thing. If people find wildlife, don't do anything unless you know they're abandoned. And okay. if they are abandoned, please call a rehabber to find out how to proceed. And we are available to talk people through whether they're in our territory or not. And they can find your phone number on the website or Facebook. Yep. Correct? All right. Nine one eight three four two wild. Okay. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's the number. That's the hotline. <laughs> yeah, we're here to help. And you know, any animals we can help that we don't have to take in is a bonus. And a lot of times they don't need to be taken from mom. They're fine okay. where they're at. We just have to tell people how to protect them. Okay. So okay. we like those calls. And put the bunny back. <laughs> put the bunny back is it true that like if you get too close to a baby bunny or touch it then the mom will abandon it or something i feel no. like that's a rumor that i've heard yeah it's an old wives tale but it's to keep children from touching wild animals okay i mean know. still don't go up and touch it but right. I was just, okay it's an old wives tale. Curious. they know who their babies are you know they're very good at identifying their young but um mama rabbit only nurses at dawn and dusk that's it she doesn't sit on the nest because then everybody would know where babies were hidden so when you find a nest of baby bunnies in your yard just put the bunny back (laughs) no that makes sense yeah no yeah now i know yeah yeah we get hundreds of them that way so we just we try to keep them with mom unless there's obviously a problem just leave them alone so it's like they might look like they're abandoned but really mom's keeping them safe by not leaving her scent that's right gotcha she yeah they have no scent naturally there's zero scent on a rabbit oh so yeah and they don't potty in the nest so yeah that's quite a defense mechanism yeah well um all right well thank you very much sure thanks for coming out all right now i get to watch you pack all your stuff back up in that little tiny backpack (laughs) i can't wait And that does it for this episode of Tulsa Lately. Once again, if you just search Wild Heart Ranch on Facebook, you'll find their page. You can uh, follow them. You can become a supporter and donate um, and also find out about any events or anything else that they have coming up in the future. But coming down the pipeline for Tulsa Lately, uh, next interview is going to be a chat with another dispensary who has an amazing mission and story behind what they're doing. Really excited to talk to them about that. And then a little later, I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, a member of the team of Marshall Brewing Company. A Anyone who's been around the Tulsa bar scene or knows anything about beer knows that they are a staple of the uh, Tulsa brewing community. It's That's bound to be a good one as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to ramp up how many episodes I put out. There's going to be uh, more content more often. That is the goal. I will be setting up a Patreon here pretty soon. Uh, so if anyone would like to be a supporter of Tulsa Lately and get even more content, then uh, you will have the option to do so at some point in the future. But other than that, stay tuned. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, I guess that's it. So I'll see y'all around.